unlike a drug that's one specific chemical that has one specific effect, when you take an herb, you're getting the plant's entire defense and regulatory systems that protect your cells. So when we take an herb, what it's doing is protecting our cells from stress. And when you protect cells from stress, they don't have to work as hard. Their demand for vitamins and nutrients goes down. So even though herbs don't supply nutrients, they reduce cellular stress and therefore reduce cellular demand for nutrients. Wow. You're listening to episode 133 of the Ancient Health Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Bursage, along with Dr. Chris Motley. And today's interview is with Dr. Bill Rawls. Now, Dr. Rawls is a licensed physician that began his journey in the field of obstetrics before experiencing his own health crisis with Lyme's disease. It was during this time that Dr. Rawls came face to face with the limitations of modern medicine and began to explore the vast possibilities of alternative treatments. Dr. Rawls restored his own health through holistic and herbal therapies, and it's his mission now to share the importance of cellular wellness. Today, he works to bring health and vitality to others by teaching individuals their own path to wellness through the use of herbal medicine. This episode is packed with valuable information, and I hope that you feel empowered to become a healer in your own home using plant medicine. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive into today's episode. Dr. Rawls, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm really excited for you to share your story with our audience and how you've landed where you are right now and kind of what your journey's been that's led you to this new book about cellular wellness. Can you give us a picture of kind of the roadmap, what your life has been, your personal journey, and why you're so passionate about this? Uh, absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity to come on your show. It's great. You know, if you had asked me 30 years ago how my life was going to unfold, it wouldn't have been anything like it has. I, um, I had medicine in my family. I ended up going to medical school. And in medical school, really just didn't get comfortable with the amount of drug therapy that was being used and that sort of thing. So I went into OBGYN because there was less emphasis on drugs, more emphasis on wellness. And through that 20-year career, really had a lot of fun, but the call was horrendous. And I was up every second to third night. And back in the 80s and 90s, there was this thing where they were questioning why we really needed to sleep. And I bought into that, you know, <laughs> and I was sleeping like four hours a night and just pushing the envelope every way that I could with stress. And late 40s, I crashed. Um, really didn't understand it. Later identified with chronic Lyme disease, probably had been carrying the microbes since childhood and found that the conventional medical system really had nothing to offer me. Uh, by default, looked around for things, became certified in holistic medicine. I mean, I explored every option. And the thing that ended up working was herbal therapy, to the point of being just totally fascinated with this thing that gave me my life back. Now, you know, it it wasn't easy. You know, this was a four or five year ordeal, but gradually I climbed out of that hole and got my life back. And that just changed everything about how I saw my role as a physician. And I created what 
would be defined now as more like a functional medicine practice. And I did that for about a decade, but it was very herb heavy. And I was just very, very fascinated with the role that herbs played. And that has influenced my career ever since. And along the way, you know, part of my therapy was writing, connecting with people, sharing that information. So I've, I've written a number of books, most of which I just wrote for my patients and, and promoted to, to them. Connected, my daughter came out of UNC with a, with a degree in entrepreneurship and wanted to do something with this. So we ended up starting a little uh, supplement company together um, and started creating programs for people with uh, chronic Lyme disease and other conditions. And I shifted away from an in-office practice, which you know all the frustrations that come with that, more toward just doing consultations and helping people, more like a high level of health coaching, just really directing people because there's so many people out there that just aren't getting the care that they need. And um, that's where I ended up. Along the way, I wrote a book called Unlocking Lyme, which uh, was a guidebook to using herbal therapy, but all the other things that come around it just to help people understand it. But lately, I've recognized that these principles that I learned from this ordeal really can apply to any degree of wellness or illness. And so that's what cellular wellness is about, is about looking at herbs and applying the benefits of herbs all the way down to a cellular level and understanding them that way. But, uh, and that's where I am. So I love it that with cellular health or when you're using herbs and different components to actually raise the energy, um, why would it be so important to like your, um, the overall health of the individual or people with Lyme disease? Why is it a good focus on cellular health in that way? Cellular health really changes the playing field on how we're looking at things. You know, if you look at conventional medicine, the focus is finding a diagnosis, right? So we gather the person's symptoms, we do diagnostic labs and protocols, and we gather information to put them in a box of whatever their diagnosis is. You've got Lyme disease, you've got fibromyalgia, you've got multiple sclerosis. But I noticed along the way that all those things run together. And there are an awful lot of people that are like, were like me who didn't really have a diagnosis for a long time that, but you got all these symptoms. So I identified with fibromyalgia. I worried about multiple sclerosis. I was having some of those symptoms. I was having rheumatoid arthritis symptoms. I was having all these things. And so I started asking that question, what causes it? And, and I think that's the missing thing in our conventional medical system. We're not focusing on causes. We are, you know, when you look at drug therapies, drugs are specifically designed to block processes of symptoms and manifestations of illness so that it reduces how you feel, you know, your, your, the, the feelings of the symptoms. But um, it doesn't address the stress factors that are propelling the illness. So for most chronic illnesses, people never get well. You know, and, and the incidence of chronic illness go up every year. The latest statistic is that more than 50% of the American population is struggling with some kind of chronic 
condition that has to be treated with ongoing medical therapy. It's a boom for the pharmaceutical companies, but, you know, people are really struggling. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I love how you even, you, you created a shift. It was like the shift came first in your mindset of just, this is not an approach that's sustainable. It's not sustainable for you as a person in your practice. And it's not sustainable for anybody else that's looking to use conventional therapies to treat a symptom or a condition or a disease. And then you, you kind of pivoted, it sounds like, and, and you became kind of a guide for people to access as, as a resource to say, there's another option, there's another way. And there's something that's, that's a better way that not only is going to help you reverse and overcome some of the things you're experiencing, but it can also put you in a position of healing where you might not experience, like we can improve the longevity of your life because we can avoid all of these diseases and breakdown and inflammation in the body. When you talk about cellular wellness, because that, that is your book that's coming out. And, um, and I, I love, because it really gets down to the very basic form of life, which starts at the cell. So if the cells are healthy, then the tissues and the organs and everything else that, that the cells make up would obviously be healthy as well. Can you just encapsulate for us, you know, what the picture of cellular wellness is like, what does that terminology really mean, you know, and, and kind of how, how do you connect the dots there of cellular wellness and herbal therapy? All right. Um, Well, let's do the cellular wellness part first, and then we'll get to where herbs come in and how they come in. And um, I've listened to a number of your podcasts and, you know, and, and, and I've heard you talk about a lot of different topics, many functional medicine topics and all, but also traditional Chinese medicine. And, and I, so where I'm coming from with this doesn't contradict any of those things. I think that's important to recognize. It's just a slightly different way of looking at them. So when you look at ancient Chinese medicine, ancient, ancient Ayurvedic medicine, it was remarkable what they came up with for thousands of years ago. And, and in, in so many ways that it's still very functional that, you know, you have this wonderful system, but it was pre science, you know, they didn't know cells, they didn't understand biochemistry. So I studied those things, but I kept coming back to those roots of Western science of how do I apply, you know, how do I take that information and apply it to what I already know, and taking it down to the cellular level, or even on the on the biochemical level, puts you on a different playing field. So the basic is that our body is made of trillions of cells. It's estimated that we have somewhere between 20 and 40 trillion cells in our body, about 200 different types of cells in the body. Every cell in the body has a job. Everything that happens in your body is a result of cellular functions, whether that's your heart beating, thyroid gland being produced, brain impulses firing, it's all cellular absolutely everything is cellular. So if everything in your body is working properly, if all of those cells are communicating and connecting and are healthy, then you're going to feel great. That's what health is, is healthy cells. All the cells that are healthy, all the cells working together. If you have symptoms of any kind, it's because cells in your body have been stressed or injured. So when cells are stressed or injured, 
two things happen. One, if they're acutely injured, they release substances that activate nerves that tell the brain something's wrong. They send a distress signal. We feel it as pain or discomfort. But the other thing that happens is that cells lose that function. You know, if cells are stressed or injured, they can't function as well as, as they, they should. So you partially lose that function or that function becomes dysfunctional. So, for example, if you step wrong and twist your ankle, you've injured cells in your, your ankle joint and ligaments, and those cells release substances, you feel it is pain, and you can't walk on it as well. So, that, so that, that's in a nutshell, you know, what we're talking about with cellular wellness is that spectrum between wellness and illness is defined by whether cells are stressed. So most of the time, and it, it's, you know, it, it's really a pretty in, sensitive indicator of what's going on in a person's body. If cells are stressed, they lose a function, and you can define where that stress is occurring. Like if you block a coronary artery, you're going to have chest pain because the cells in your heart are stressed. If you have muscle pain after working out pretty hard, it's because cells in your muscles are stressed or in your joints. So chronic illness, though, you're talking about widespread stress throughout the body. So we have a lot of different kinds of symptoms. So whether you're talking about fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, or anything else, you're talking about specific cells in the body that are stressed. Parkinson's, there's been damage to the cells in the substantia nigra, which are important for initiating movement. So we have those manifestations that come with Parkinson's disease. So every, every illness is, a, is related to cellular stress. So healing is a big part of that. So we all know what healing is conceptually. You know, it's this, you know, we, we know, you know, we, we heal and we get injured, we heal, things fix themselves. But specifically what healing is, is the capacity of cells to recover from being stressed. So cells can repair internal damage. We call it a process called autophagy. And cells can regenerate into new cells, which is pretty remarkable that we have this ability. Every single cell in the body is working in our favor, trying to do its job. And it's just this wonderful thing going on all the time. So what chronic illness is, and this is, a, this is totally different. You know, when you put things on a cellular playing field, it takes you to a totally different place than where we are in conventional medicine. So when you say, okay, why are the symptoms not going away? Why, are, why is illness chronic? And it's because the stresses are ongoing. So cells never have an opportunity to recover. And that is, so, so we have a lot of different types of cells in the body that can be stressed different ways. So we have a lot of different kinds of chronic illnesses, but it all gets back to that root of cellular stress. So it's kind of like if you, you know, if you've got that sprained ankle and if you favor it and put a support on your ankle and do crutches for a few weeks, it'll heal. But if you don't do that, if you keep walking on that ankle, it's never going to heal and it's going to keep getting worse. And that's what we're doing with chronic illness. We're we're, we're patching those symptoms up. We're blocking the brain from, from feeling those symptoms, but we're not reducing the stresses. Mm -hmm. So 
people never get really well. So mm. that's, I think that's fundamentally where I'm different than my conventional roots. And I think it's a really important way to look at that spectrum, that continuum between wellness and chronic illness. I do like the way you said, like the spectrum of uh, your system of healthcare, you know, that you personally provide, you know, using herbs and um, talking about cellular um, uh, energy, because I know um, since you had Lyme, I had Lyme as well. And I know many people that come to us have that. And one of the biggest um, things that I, I missed when I was first starting to help people with it was that I was needing to turn on their mitochondria and get their bodies to actually create enough ATP. And I love the way that you effectively put herbs into your protocols. So when we talk about like many people out there that are sick that are listening right now, they go, well, how could I turn on some energy or what are some of the components of this energy cycle? So I know like we can say Krebs cycle uses herbs and vitamins. Um, how important like the differences between herbs and vitamins and how when you put a protocol together, I know everybody's different and everybody's unique, but how important is the effect of herbs in that Krebs cycle with the, with the actual uh, vitamins as well? Right. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, if you walk into a health food store, you're going to see vitamins and herbs all kind of scattered on the same shelf in a lot of places. They're as different as apples and oranges. You know, here we're talking about two very different things, and they can be used therapeutically very, very differently. So when you look at vitamins, vitamin-like substances like coenzyme Q10, NADH, L-carnitine, just a range of different things, here we're talking about nutrients. So nutrients are substances, biochemical substances, organic compounds that cells need to function. So carbohydrates, fats, amino acids are nutrients. Coenzyme Q10 is a nutrient. Uh, vitamin B vitamins are nutrients. Minerals would be considered nutrients. They are things that cells need to function. So if a cell is healthy, its nutrient demands are not that high. And quite frankly, we get a lot of our nutrients from food. But uh, so, so you can only go so far with nutrients. So there is a limit to how much nutrients a cell can use. Um, that, you know, it's, it's the supply and demand kind of thing. Um, and mitochondria are using specific B vitamins, NADH, coenzyme Q10. When cells are stressed, though, they use a lot more nutrients. They really, really are burning up a lot of nutrients because they're working harder. So nutrient demand grows. So in people who have chronic illness, there's a higher nutrient demand and supplementing those nutrients can be beneficial, but that's not what herbs do. And this is, I think, very fascinating. Herbs are non-nutritive. They have very little in the way of supplying nutrients that cells need to function. What herbs contain are phytochemicals. Phytochemicals, plant chemicals are there for the plant for a very, very specific purpose. And uh, this is, uh, so, so take any plant, any plant, uh, you know, look outside your window, plants out there, all of those plants are having to protect their cells from free radicals, from physical stress factors, from radiation, and especially from microbes. So plants don't have an immune system like we do. They have a phytochemical defense system 
So plants use hundreds and hundreds of chemicals to provide protection to cells, especially against a wide range of microbes, but every kind of stress factor that you can imagine, plants are producing different kinds of, of phytochemicals. Different plants in different environments may use different chemicals so that, you know, different plants, different herbs are different. Now, herbs are wild plants that humans have been using for thousands and thousands of years, either for food or medicine. So they are plants that we have naturally found that mesh well with our biochemistry. It's like um, poison ivy's got some great protective chemicals in it. It's a great antimicrobial, but you wouldn't want to eat it because it has things that are poisonous <laughs> to us, of course. So the things that we define as herbs, humans have been using these things for literally thousands upon thousands of years. So plants protect cells. Also, what you get in, in phytochemicals is the plant's regulatory systems. So plants are using similar kinds of hormones and chemical messengers that our cells are to balance communications and balance functions between cellular. It's a multicellular cellular organism. So when we take an herb, we're getting that robust phytochemistry. So unlike a drug that's one specific chemical that has one specific effect, when you take an herb, you're getting the plant's entire defense and regulatory systems that protect your cells. So when we take an herb, what it's doing is protecting our cells from stress. And when you protect cells from stress, they don't have to work as hard. Their demand for vitamins and nutrients goes down. So even though herbs don't supply nutrients, they reduce cellular stress and therefore reduce cellular demand for nutrients, Wow, which is kind of a cool way of looking at it. Yeah. That is really, really interesting, Doc. I've never had it explained like that. And I'm going to have to add that into my repertoire when I explain this though, too. That was really good. That was great. I'm now like envisioning this like a uh, suit of armor, you know, that, that the cells ah, yeah. get to yeah. kind of turn off or, or not be as sensitized or sensitive to some of these stressors. How do the herbs, you know, modulate or affect the function of different organs and glands? Because we know that like there are certain classifications of herbs, whether it's like adaptogens or otherwise, that can help tonify kind of the expression of different systems in the body. Is that yep. a, another component, I guess, of, of how, you know, herbs can operate, you know, or act upon the body? Right. Yeah. That's, that's something that I put in the book. I, I created this herbal spectrum to help people understand um, what we're looking at with herbs. So on one end, I put food plants and on the other end, I put, herbs that are plants that would be used for drugs. Many, many people don't realize it, but um, about 70% of drugs actually came from plant sources. But interestingly, you know, everybody thinks, well, yeah, I've heard that drugs come from plants and, you know, so they must be kind of like herbs. No, all the drugs come from plants that we would define as poisons and they pull out specific chemicals that are actually poisoning specific reactions in the body. So mm. all of your plants, so, so the environment that the plant 
the natural environment of the plant defines the stress factors that the plant is most exposed to Mm. and how over time the plant has evolved to counteract those stress factors. So each of your herbs are a little bit different and different plants use different chemical messengers, but we're all living organisms. So there's a lot of commonality in the different kinds of things that, that we use. So let's take an adaptogen like ashwagandha. Um, you're probably both familiar with that one. Uh, that's a common herb. Um, and it's, we know it's really, really good for stress. So what is it doing? Well, it has a lot of protective effects. It's got all those protective uh, antioxidants and substances that neutralize toxins. A lot of people don't realize that ashwagandha has some really nice antimicrobial properties too. All plants, all herbs have antimicrobial properties, all of them. And we may get into why that's really super important. But ashwagandha also has chemicals that feed back to the hypothalamus and that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, and it has a calming effect. So looking at anxiety and stress, right? So sometimes stress is perceived you know, deadlines, bosses yelling at us, all of these kids late for school. So, but a lot of times, like in chronic illness, chronic Lyme disease, other chronic illnesses, the stress is coming from internally. So I like to think about it this way. So if you have all, you have a chronic illness, like fibromyalgia, and all the cells in your body are stressed all of the time, they are constantly sending distress signals to your brain continually and it's just brain overload so you so your brain is just on fire and it activates this fight or flight response and your brain connects with your hypothalamus and says okay it's time to gear up you know you we're under threat get those cells ready for the worst kind of stress it's coming and keeping your cells on high alert all the time is really damaging because they don't have time to recover from being stressed. So hypo, so what ashwagandha is doing is not affecting the adrenal glands directly. It's feeding back to the hypothalamus and going, hey, calm down a little bit. It's not as bad as it seems. Just relax. And, and so the hypothalamus tones everything down So it takes that cellular stress down a notch and cells can recover. I love the protective mechanisms. I I see what you're saying, Doc, because you ever like whenever you do testing on some individuals, we'll do a lot of Chinese medicine testing and the protective quality of an herb. I find that if you get a patient on the right set of herbs, because that's how I usually start off with like which ones would actually help this person protect the most. I've noticed for me personally that their need for vitamins and minerals, like you said, they do not need as much vitamin mineral to actually help their cellular processes. And in fact, they feel better. And so I always try to start off with some herbal or Ayurvedic to try to get the thing stimulated, you know, to get their cells protected. But I never thought about it that way though. This is a really good explanation, doc. This has really been good. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, it's just from, you know, tr- trying to write, trying to figure it out, digging in the science. The really cool thing though, is there's a lot of really great science out there. I couldn't have written this book 10 years ago, but absolutely everything that I've wanted to say, I've been able to find scientific evidence to back it up. And uh, you know, some of it's coming from the United States, but a lot of it is coming from worldwide. There are a lot of really good science 
that aren't driven by the pharmaceutical companies that are just really trying to do good science and answer questions that help people. And it's really been wonderful. Yeah, and that <laughs> comes as no surprise, you know, just given our culture here, you know, in, in the States and and how it's driven so heavily. I mean, just uh, even information, right? Like even finding information yeah. about this can be like finding a needle in a haystack because it's, it is, you know, it's buried on purpose because there are other things that would, you know, are, are more profitable that, you know, are always surfacing at the top. And so I can appreciate you doing that work, that legwork to really start to figure out, you know, what is truly going to help people from a biological and scientific standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so your book is very uh, thorough. And I have to say the application component is to me so valuable because as somebody that, you know, has heard, okay, plants as medicine, using things from nature, using what God has provided for us, those are the best options for healing our bodies. But it's, I mean, it can be overwhelming and it can also, you know, there, there's just not, there's not a lot that can guide you into saying, okay, well, where do I start or what's the best approach for, for my condition or where I'm at. And, and I love that your book is even broken down in a lot of sections, kind of walking people through so that they understand it as they're starting to integrate a lot of these herbals into their life. Since we're talking about it, I want, I may just like, do you just take a little rabbit trail, but I would love to know, as we're, we're talking about herbs, you kind of broke them into two categories being, you know, food, like actually consuming them. So I'm thinking like the spices and herbs you're using in the kitchen that you're cooking your food with. Mm -hmm. um, and then also like other herbs, like I'm thinking, you know, loose leaf teas or things that maybe have been um, encapsulated that you can take in supplemental form. Can you maybe guide us in understanding you know, what the difference is between and what really probably even defining before that, like what are the different ways that we can access herbs to utilize them in our lives? And is there a difference in how our body is using them from ingesting them from a food source standpoint to, you know, maybe even having like an oral tincture, something that has been distilled that, um, you know, you would be taking from buying like as a supplement so maybe, cause that, that whole world is huge. And so, and I know that you're in the supplement world too. So you could probably speak to that, you know, for days, but maybe just to start to deconstruct it for us. So we have a better grasp. Well, I, you know, I, I think it's getting those protective phytochemicals any way you can get them. And, um, one thing that I came to realize though, is that even a healthy diet, it's, it's hard to do that. So I've been taking herbs continually myself for about 15 years. You know, I did it for Lyme disease and, and initially it was kind of like, okay, you know, you, you're, you're well now, you can stop the herbs. And then the symptoms would start coming back with every time I got stressed or whatever. I'm not sure you ever completely eradicate the microbes. But so I finally just said, you know, not having any side effects. It's not disrupting my gut. I'm just going to keep right on taking these things. And things just kept getting better. My cholesterol went down. My blood pressure got better. My vision got better. I mean, it's just like everything. All I, My joints were shot by the time I was 52 years old. I'm 64 and doing everything I want to do. Everything came back. So that protective effect is really wonderful. And, you know, the answer is how do you get the phytochemicals every way you can? 
but you can't rely on a healthy diet. And this is something that I, it's a point that I really want to try to make in the book is that when you look at food, our food plants have been cultivated under very controlled conditions to produce carbohydrates, to produce food. We don't like our food bitter. We like lots of carbohydrate in our food. And, and so when you de-stress a plant, when you create these controlled conditions, the plant doesn't have that need to protect the produce those protective phytochemicals mm-hmm. in nearly the degree. And our plants have been specifically cultivated not to have those chemicals because many of them are bitter. Mm. So even a healthy diet, even healthy food plants. Now, you know, my motto is eat more vegetables than anything else. That should be central to any diet. But even eating healthy vegetables, you're not getting the concentrations that you would from wild plants. So herbs are wild plants. Mm. Um, Herbs don't need pesticides to be grown properly because they have all those protective chemicals in them. And in fact, when you're cultivating herbs, you really want to stress them because that enhances the ability of the plant to produce all of these protective chemicals. So it's really a case for why we really ought to be taking herbs every day. Now, getting herbs, um, culinary herbs, you know, culinary herbs are still in their wild state. They still have a lot of protective phytochemicals. Uh, basil, oregano, all of our herbs, adding them to food, I think is a wonderful idea. But people typically don't use high concentrations of them. I mean, it's like turmeric. I like turmeric. I eat Thai food pretty frequently, but I don't eat it every day. In India, they do. They eat about a gram of turmeric every single day. And the incidence of Alzheimer's and cancer despite the fact that they have really bad sanitation system and pollution um, in India, they have some of the lowest rates of Alzheimer's and cancer in the world. And it's thought to be because of all the turmeric they eat. But I don't eat turmeric every day. And I don't drink herbal teas every day. But I do take my herbs every day. Whether you take them in tincture form or capsule, I think is just a matter of convenience. Um, so, and there are pluses and minuses to each one of those. I, we, with, with herbs and um, using different forms, like even in a food or as a protective mechanism, um, how should people too, you know, cause there's so many, I use really good brands, I believe though, doc, you know, and so I always ask, what are the, maybe some of the th- ways that you can find a good quality herb? Because I mean, there's, there's so many different herbal companies out there right now and people get yeah. confused. And so is there a way that you could te- tell the people out there, this is what I look for in an herb or how they're grown or how they're, how they're harvested? Yeah. Well, I'm sure, you know, at, at Ancient Nutrition, they are certainly looking at these parameters. And I think it, I think a lot of it boils down to trust in a company and, something that I started doing in the very beginning, you know, when our company was very small, I was doing all the sourcing myself and everything. And something we insisted on upfront in the beginning was, was uh, getting a certificate of analysis on any ingredient that is looking at the species of the plant, looking for bacterial, organic contaminants, heavy metals, those kinds of things. Because even something that is grown organic, you know, cannabis is a good example. It can pick up a lot of stuff from the atmosphere 
that if it's being grown in a polluted area, it can still pick up a lot of toxic substances. So it boils down to that, uh, the testing. But um, we found that even the testing isn't perfect. So we redo the testing. We actually uh, get, get a sample of the batch and send it off to a second private lab. And then we do several levels of testing in the manufacturing process itself. And I think there are a lot of great companies that are doing those levels of testing to ensure the, that the products, but quite frankly, it is a little bit difficult to really define that. Tip-offs that I see are that if the less, the less information that you find on the bottle or the website, probably you know there you, there's less insurance that you're really getting a good ingredient in your supplements and you know it's it, and it it does come from all around the world it's impossible to get everything you need from one place and one supplier you know one company that's well known Gaia Herbs which is right down the street from us here in North Carolina um there in in Brevard North Carolina they tried that 20 years ago. They set out to grow everything right there because North Carolina is an area, the mountains of North Carolina, there's a lot of biodiversity. So you can grow a lot of things. But as the company grew, they found that that was impossible. They still produce as much as they can, but they have to outsource some, some things. And you know you have to be particular about your testing. But um, there are a lot of fly-by-night companies that put out a lot of science and a lot of fancy stuff. But when you go looking for the ingredients, often it's hard to find them. And that's usually a tip-off to me. Not being able to find like the good research behind it. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I, I think that that stands for, you know, so many different areas, even when, you know, most people that are listening to this, uh, they're, they're very aware of you know, just greenwashing and a lot of different, uh, label, you know, labels that they can find on food that can be misleading. And so, you know, we kind of have that cautious eye already thinking like, okay, is this really everything it's claiming to be, or it's supposed to be. Um, but the same goes for supplements too, because a lot of times there can be fillers and binders and all kinds of additional, um, chemicals that are added or processing agents, you know, that help the flowing agents of encapsulating certain products. So, um, herbs are no different. And I think, you know, having the same cautious eye when you're looking for something that you're incorporating, especially if you're using it every day, I mean, I think, or on a more routine basis that you're getting something that isn't compromised or that's has these undesirable tag alongs, you know, whether they're heavy metals or something else, uh, because that could very well be contributing to, uh, more stress for the body, more stress for the cells. What, uh, Dr. Rawls, I would love to know just on a personal level. What herbs are your favorite that you have, have found or maybe that have been loaded question. Yeah. Maybe they've just been instrumental in your own healing journey. So they just, you know, they, they, there's something that you, you feel, uh, so highly, uh, towards because you've used them and seen the benefits, um, on a personal level, but what, what are, what are just coming from your mind? Like some of the heavy hitters you're like, man, I really have, or even experienced maybe, you know, in your practice. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of great herbs that I love. Um, you know, part of the journey and the adventure has been trying a lot of different kinds of things. And um, uh, one thing that I, I mentioned a little bit before in the book, I put what I defined as an herbal spectrum 
Um, one end of the spectrum is food plants, and the other end of the spectrum is pretty toxic plants that generally would be reserved for prescription drugs. And there's a lot in between. And just kind of down the way from the, the uh, food plants, I put what I call everyday herbs. And everyday herbs are the adaptogens, but also herbs like that wouldn't be classified as adaptogens like turmeric and hawthorn. Um, and these are herbs that really don't have any drug-like effects. They have low incidence of side effects. These herbs are primarily protective. And these herbs you can take every day on a daily basis, long-term, that they're really nice. Um, so there are many of those, and some are plants, but we've also got some medicinal mushrooms like reishi and cordyceps and lion's mane um, are in there. All of the adaptogens, rhodiola, um, ashwagandha, you know, the, the list just goes on and on of, of all the different herbs. Go-to cola I, I, is a favorite herb. So there are just many, many. But they're in that category, and that's something that I, I want to help people, you know, make those choices between the herbs that they can take on an everyday basis the, that you could comfortably uh, take for the next six months or the next six years, and they wouldn't hurt you. Moving down from that um, are herbs that I used for primarily for Lyme recovery. And we, and all herbs again, have antimicrobial properties, but there's some that have been recognized for stronger antimicrobial properties. Um, Japanese knotweed, cat's claw, andrographis, garlic, exceptional. Now these are also herbs that don't have any long-term effects. I took them for years and years and years and years. And if I'm under stress, those are my go-to. I start taking them again. Um, anything comes along, uh, threat of an influenza or anything. Um, and what makes them different than something like echinacea is they're immune modulators. They have a balancing effect on the immune system. So long-term use isn't disruptive. Where echinacea, elderberry, they can have a stimulating effect on the immune system. So you might want to take them more acutely but not on an everyday basis. So these are pretty comfortable herbs that people would do long term. And we've literally had thousands of people taking them for very long periods of time. And, and the reports of adverse reactions are just almost ridiculously low. Moving down the line, you've got herbs that you would use more for a specific purpose. Um, passion flower for anxiety, um, and herbs uh, like um, maybe uh, slippery elm for digestive issues. So herbs that have more of a therapeutic value. And, and um, so there, I think we're getting more into herbs. You know, those are safe ones that I think most people could pick up off the internet and they're fine. But moving a little farther from that are herbs that have stronger drug-like properties. They still have all those wonderful protective properties, but they have more drug-like properties. And in those cases, I recommend that somebody should be working with somebody that knows something about them, uh, working with an herbalist. Um, I put St. John's wort in that category. I mean, it's a great herb, wonderful herb, but, you know, 
that one's something I would be a little more comfortable with people because they're drug interactions and various kinds of things. I would prefer that they're seeing an herbalist and working with someone. So they're going to get the best result from that herb. And then on the down the line, more toward drug-like things, ephedra, uh, kratom, things like that are all herbs also. But they have, you know, whatever chemical messengers the plant is using has a really, really strong effect on our system. So not something you would, you know, you definitely want to use those under uh, a supervision um, to get the best use out of them. So that's kind of how I look at the spread of herbs. I think that's like was one of the next questions we were going to ask too, is that, you know, when people do have their prescriptions and they come to you and you can say, can I add in herbs? Many times patients will say, can I actually use this herb? And um, I have to be very careful, you know, with that. And uh, even when you refer out to people, like, how can you combine them? I, I'm with you, doc. I think that uh, in Chinese medicine, they call them constitutional herbs. And um, some individuals, like I'll put them on like Chinese coptis or put them on mangesta or some Ayurvedic herb. And it's so nourishing in that sense, like energetically, there's a lot of energy yeah. that goes into their body from it. They never want to come off of it. Like I'll say, take this for about four weeks, you know, and then back off. And then they're like, I'm never coming off of it again because yeah. it, because they like fought chronic strep, chronic Lyme. And it's like, this keeps me up and going. So yeah. um, when people say, can I overdo it? I'm like, if you find the right herb, you're not going to overdo it. In fact, you're going to love it. You crave it. Yeah. So that answered my questions about about using them with prescriptions. So everybody out there should find a good herbalist to find and see about the interactions between the prescriptions and such like that. Yeah. But so doc, when we, um, with this, with the cellular health and things that you've been uh, promoting, I really like this in the avenue of like infections because uh, there's always this huge movement in when you're doing healing up with microbes and everybody's want to kill everything off. And the thing I love about your writings about your book is yeah, you can go kill everything off, but if you have no energy behind it, you're still going to be relapsing the whole time. And that's yeah. one thing I appreciate about all your information. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's so much value in the herbs and from a recovery point of view. And, you know, I mentioned antimicrobial properties, but it's very different than antibiotics. And, and this is something that I noticed early on. It was like antibiotics just trashed my gut every time I would use them. And I took herbs and I was waiting for that to happen and it didn't. And in fact, my gut got better. And I just recognized over time that that was one of the properties of the herbs is balancing the gut and skin microbiome rather than disrupting it, which makes sense. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a defense system that you're getting from the plants and plants have to protect their normal flora and suppress the pathogens too. But when I was writing the book, I actually found a study that somebody had looked at this and documented that herbs had the effect of suppressing pathogens in the gut, but promoting growth of normal flora. And it was like, wow, that's really cool. Justify that somebody had actually taken the time to study this. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It, that's so incredible. And really I'm so blown away at the intelligence of, of creation, you know, and just how plants and herbals and how our biology and our human bodies are designed to work synergistically so well. I mean, just this beautiful rhythm of balance and, and using, even from a gut standpoint, I had horrific gut infections for years 
And the only thing that really helped was taking herbals and they were very antimicrobial, but like you said, like I didn't get sick. I mean, they're very intelligent in that they are selective at the pathogens that are present so that the normal flora isn't disrupted so that it actually bolsters the immune system and allows your gut to heal because it's selectively targeting biofilms and pathogens that are creating all of the toxic waste in the gut and proliferating more infections. Um, And I mean, there's no medicine out there that has that innate intelligence and that ability to to operate in that way. No, it's it's true. And, you know, that's that's the flag I'm trying to wave. I'm trying with this book to get out this message that we've got this wonderful thing that's been with us long-term And we really, really need to start paying attention to it because it is remarkably valuable, especially for the things that it can protect us from in our modern world that has changed so much. You know, all the different kinds of toxins that we're exposed to, the the unusual and abnormal foods that we're exposed to, the radiation, the EMF, everything, herbs can help protect your cells. And wow, if everybody was just taking a handful of herbal supplements every day, I think we would be seeing a totally different spectrum of illness. Truly. I love that, uh, the way you define it and, uh, uh, the beauty of herbs, not just being just, um, uh, the phytochemicals, but that energetic resonance that somehow you like, just like Courtney said, how can herb with specific frequencies and wavelength and certain energetic qualities attract or what they call them create standing waves with infections and infections literally get their energy drained by the herb. And it's like the light treats like, you know, like I love how herbs are so innate intelligent uh, within our like accumulating uh, innate intelligence within us to have that symbiosis with them. So doc, your work is really good and really fascinating. And we would, how do people find you? Where do they go? What website? And even Um, Instagram your feed. Yeah. Uh, primary website is Rawls MD. Um, now that's got a lot of information for people who are struggling with things like chronic Lyme disease. It's very uh, recovery focused, and you know we've built it up. I have one of my team members has spent a lot of time putting as much information to get information to people that are struggling out there. Um, this book, my current book, The Cellular Wellness Solution, is more focused on approaching a, a wider audience, a wellness audience, because I've recognized, you know, the sooner I can capture someone's attention and get them doing those obvious things, you know, you want to decrease those cellular stress factors, you want to eat better and have a clean environment and clean air and all of those things. But the herbs, if we can get people started, then they don't have to work as hard and it makes a bigger impact. So the uh, website for the book is Cellular Wellness, and that is going to be uh, built out with lots of information. We'll be doing a series of webinars on, on these concepts. So there'll be a lot going on surrounding the book and different kinds of promotions and I really, really appreciate this opportunity to help me carry that message out there. That's awesome. We're so thrilled. I, I, it, it's funny because Dr. Motley and I have had uh, a lot of participation in uh, a functional nutrition certification that is through the Health Institute. 
And Dr. Axe is, you know, the founder and, and has spearheaded all of it. But a lot of what you talk about and the applications of herbs is what is taught in this course. It's taught to, you know, future health coaches and practitioners because that the value and understanding how to use some of nature's best forms of natural medicine is the key that we're, that's been missing, you know, and that, that having those resources hasn't been readily available. I think that there's a lot that's out there, but unless you really know what you're looking for, you know, most people just, it's not, it's not something that we are educated on in any way. So unless you are seeking that information out, and I appreciate so much what you've done in your book, because even how it's laid out, it is so user-friendly. Okay. So anybody that's listening to this, I mean, it's like, it, uh, you know, keep it in your kitchen because when your child or you're experiencing something like the, it's broken down by organ systems and, and symptoms that you're experiencing. And so the tactical uh, application of using herbs is very well uh, documented and laid out and it's very user-friendly. Okay. So I, I mean, I'm super excited to get my hands on it. I've read through just the a digital uh, version of it. And it's, it's very similar to, um, in, in a lot of ways to me in the application part to ancient remedies, which is Dr. Axe's most recent book. So, but I love because it's useful, you know, it's not just theory. It's not, well, this is great. Like this is okay. I'm, I, I know that it has value, but what do I do? And I feel like your book is, I'm going to teach you, but then I'm going to give you the next steps. Um, so if you're listening to this, Cellular Wellness is coming out. And that is that book is uh, going to be available in June of 2022. Yep. Uh, by the time people are seeing this podcast, it should be available. And I um, just want to say thanks for what you do. Um, and the, the Health Institute teaching health coaches, that's such an important variable right now. When I was researching the book, I came upon a study on recovering from chronic illness. And this was published in a medical journal that really came out and said 90% of recovering from any chronic illness is self-care, which means it's only about 10% what practitioners are doing. That 10% is important, but what people do is so important and they're not getting the guidance that they need. We need a lot more health coaches. We need to teach them well in how to guide people through this process. And one component that I would like to see embraced more is uh, health coaches learning this basic herbal component and, and how to help guide people with that. So I think it's really important, really important. Thanks, Doc. Thanks, Doc. We're just glad we get, we're part of something that can actually put out the message. So and we really appreciate what you put out there. It's really good. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Rawls. Make sure you check him out online on his websites. You can also follow him on Instagram and Vital Plan, which is a great website that you've got a number of herbals on and uh, tons of educational resources around that as well. So uh, make sure you check out the show notes. We'll detail all of that in there for you. But we just appreciate you, Dr. Rawls, the work you're doing, the impact that you're having on the world. And we just are behind you all the way. So best of luck. And we're excited to support your new book coming out. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you.